Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for this time we get to spend together, whether people are watching at home or uh, re-watching at some point, or uh, just for the people in the room, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and help us as we look at your word to be able to receive it as your word, uh, which is meant to encourage us, to instruct us, to guide us, and to help us. Let it be a living word now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how do you think church has changed since the start of the pandemic? We've all faced changes in terms of how we live, but this week I looked at a new uh, survey that's just been done by the Evangelical Alliance, which we're part of. Uh, Over 2,000 responses were put in from leaders and members in evangelical churches, the ones that would say they kind of believe the same sort of stuff around the Bible as we do here, answering questions about what's happened to them through the pandemic with regard to church. And it showed that while most churches are operating in person again, they're operating with about 32% less people actually attending. And when they do come, it's less often. So if you had 120 before, you've now got about uh, 40 less. If you had 80, now it's about 60. 13% of church members are no longer going to the one that they went to before. 5% of them are going nowhere. So, in this survey, 60% of church leaders said that they now have less people serving. However, the members who responded, from them, 30% of them actually said, yes, I'm not doing anything like what I used to before in terms of volunteering. So there's a bit of a disparity there. 60% of the leaders feel like there's less people uh, volunteering, whereas only 30% of the volunteers felt that that was the case. The reasons that they gave, the main reasons why those who used to serve in some way said that now we don't serve, uh, were as follows. They saw COVID-19 as an opportunity to retire. Having lost the habit of church attendance, they now have other habits that have replaced that. And having reassessed their priorities, they are no longer convinced that church is a priority. These are the things that people take. Youth and children's ministries have suffered most. With a quarter of churches that used to do youth stuff before, no longer doing it. 60% of churches reported a drop in giving of income. So though a committed core in the main have maintained their giving. And I'd say that's probably true of us. I would have ticked that box and probably did when I did the survey. And I think that's that's down to years of teaching, like we've just done, on stewardship. We've never been afraid to talk about money here at Ivy. And also to encourage people to to not just think about giving, but think about living and think about income and savings and to be able to avoid debt and all those kind of things end up with people who've got into a a regular, this is part of who I am. It isn't just something that I do. Um, I am a giver, not not I give, if you like. And um, yeah, and, that, and so thank God for that. Thank God for you if you're one of those people who's, you know, kind of the, the, the regular heartbeat of the, this part of the body of Christ. But a quarter of churches surveyed, and remember these are evangelical churches, so I dread to think what it's like for churches that are kind of 
um, you know, sort of liberal and, you know, kind of in terms of scripture and, and we didn't really have um, much life in them anyway. But a quarter of these kind of churches said that their lack of reserves means that they are concerned that they may not be able to pay staff six months from now. Now, all of this is to say, just in case you wondered, every church is now rebuilding. Every church is looking at what was and then thinking, now what do we do next? This isn't like just an ivy thing for us to be able to do that. This morning at four services and online, we looked at chapter three of Nehemiah and Louise spoke about this. And I'm going to look at it again because to me it's got so much richness in this amazing story of these teams of people who stepped up and got involved in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem it wasn't just Nehemiah Nehemiah didn't rebuild the walls of Jerusalem he couldn't have done it on his own he recognized that but these people stepped up when the, the city was in ruins they rebuilt it and everything that they did every single person what they did was vital because yes Nehemiah heard about the problem and he came all the way from Persia back to Jerusalem to be able to see that what he'd heard it was it wasn't just as bad as he'd heard it was actually worse than what he'd heard because the gates were burned the walls were were down and it was so bad he couldn't even get his horse through in various places when he went and had a look but then he stood up and he just shared the vision to the people and he said you see see the mess we're in it's not like you see my problem you see you see our problem you see the you know the the challenge that there is and actually the opportunity to do something amazing for God as well you know it isn't just a oh it's a problem oh woe is me it's actually like we can do something glorious we could do something amazing you could be part of something just like that people are going to talk about in the year 2022 he didn't say that but we are doing because these people stepped up and actually many of their names are listed in, in, this, in, this, uh, in, in this document that is Nehemiah's journal. And you know what? Jesus has a book. He's got the Lamb's Book of Life and he's taking names. <laughs> and he records names in that book and he says nobody can blot that name out. But you know, he's also, also in Revelation talks about there being a scroll of remembrance. It's like God remembers and notices every act of, of service and every act of worship and everything that we do that's for him he remembers it and so this chapter tells us the, the rebuilding of the walls and how it actually started to happen and guess what it happened because people did it and yeah I'm not saying God didn't do it I'm not saying it was miraculous and wonderful I don't want to take anything away from the fact that that God did an amazing thing but the way God did it was one brick at a time through people stepping up and, and when I study Nehemiah, as I've been doing now for months and months, I realise again that when we're trying to rebuild anything, whether it's a, a, whether it's a ministry or whether it's our lives or whether it's the hurts and the hardships and the, the, the kind of feeling knocked down that many of us will have had over the last couple of years, or if it's the church rebuilding and restarting in 2022, or it's the city and the world around us and the brokenness that we see all the time when you know as people are waking up to the fact that what culture promised them that we'd all be safe and happy and that the world would just keep getting better and better and that human progress was inevitable and science could protect us from everything that could go wrong in life and we could buy and have everything that we wanted that would make us happy and and keep us feeling wonderful that actually all those promises have, have, been, have been crushed 
And in some ways, maybe it's not a bad thing to get confronted with the reality of life on this broken planet and see, actually, it, it isn't heaven yet. We're not there yet. There's things that, are, that, that break us like they break Nehemiah. And that's because God is broken over them and he's got a plan to bring restoration. And, and in order for that to happen, we need to let those things break us. And if they've not broken us yet, maybe we need to pray it again. Break me enough so I want to do something about it. And, and then to step up and then to, we recognise too, whenever that happens, we need one another to be able to do it. And 58 times... The Bible uses this phrase, one another, in various ways. It says, love one another, care for one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, help one another, counsel one another, support one another, over and over again. See, the devil wants to isolate you and me. He wants to get you and keep you in that disengaged 5% so that he can pick you off or make you completely ineffective. Either's good, as far as he's concerned. Because he knows none of us can do anything alone. That's why this chapter, I love it when we got to it, and I was like, I'm going to preach on it too in the evening. Because it's so key in this book, as I say, God is naming names. And that encourages me so much because it says, it matters what you do. God notices what you do. He knows your name and, and he wants us to, this is all about cooperation and people stepping up and saying, I'll stand up and be counted. And whether or not everybody's name got mentioned, etc. God knew every name of every person that was doing something. It's just a great picture of God's people, this remnant of different shapes and sizes of people who stand in front of ruins and rubble and step up and become part of rebuilding it together. Even at the same time as the world looks on and starts to mock them and at times opposes them and says, say it's, it's impossible, it will never happen, that can never happen, they can never rise up again. And it's to me, I read it and it's like, that's so much like what we're called to do in this moment in history in the church of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul called the church. The body of Christ. Over and over again in his, in his letters. And, and I, I've been praying about this and I was thinking, why did Paul call it the body of Christ? You know, what's, I know it's a metaphor and all of that. And we get the word member from what he wrote. So we become a member of Ivy. You're not just getting into, be able to vote and stuff like that. You're basically saying, I am part of this body. That's what it is to be a member. But when did Paul think of the body of Christ as, as like this wonderful picture that he keeps coming back to in various times? And then it struck me, I know when it was. It started when, if you remember, Saul, as he was once called, using his Hebrew name, was attacking arresting, persecuting Christians. He thought he was doing God a favour by going and finding them and, and having them thrown into prison. Seems some of them were executed. He was completely against them. He thought he was doing a good thing. And then one day on the road to Damascus, very famously, as he's going along down the road, suddenly, whoo, even brighter than these lights, the lights come on and Jesus is there. And what did Jesus say to him? In Acts chapter 9, verse 4, it says he fell to the ground and he heard the voice speaking to him saying this, Saul! Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and Saul must have been like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm persecuting them. The contemporary English version translates it, Saul, why are you being so cruel to me? 
And, and again, Paul must have been like, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm arresting them and I'm persecuting them. And, and I, was, I was there when that guy Stephen was, was uh, martyred and I, you know, I held the coats and everything, but I'm not doing anything. I'm not per- and, and then he realises it's the same thing. Because how I treat the church is how I treat Jesus. Now that thought will change your life. It changed Saul's life. How I treat the church is how I treat Jesus. And I have to say, it blew me away when I realised that. I think, looking back, it's possibly one of the reasons, suppose it's part of the reason why, so many years ago, I decided I'd just give up anything and go anywhere and do whatever it took to serve the church of Jesus Christ. Because that's after all Jesus has done for me after all it is given for me after the price that is paid for me it's like I just want to do anything you know you don't have to give me a, a, a list of, of whether I like it or not I just want to do it I want to treat him well and yeah I've, so as a result of that I've served him very imperfectly but it's like, after all that he's done for me, and maybe you're like, oh, I'm not sure. I think you're over it. You're going to say that. You lead a church. What about Matthew chapter 25? Just after Jesus has been talking about there's going to be sheep and there's going to be goats at the end. And then he says this, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me or not. And they will ask, when? When, Jesus? When did we do that? And he will answer. Jesus said, if you did it for the least of these, my brothers and Sisters, you did it to me. Who's his brothers and sisters? If you're brave, underline in your Bible, brothers and sisters. Now, this, am I saying that it, you know, you, we're not going to care for homeless people, that we don't care about other people outside of the church? No, of course not. But we can't say, I'm going to care for them, but I'm not caring for them. That doesn't work. It's brothers. This is primarily he's talking about loving one another here. It would be hard to say, oh, I do that for them, but I'm not going to serve and I'm not going to love people who are in the same family as me now that Jesus calls brothers and sisters. The day that he rearranged family, when people came to the door and they said, Jesus, your mother and, and your brothers and, and your sisters are outside. And he said, who's my brothers and sisters? Who's my mother? It's these guys who who do the word of God. That's who the brothers and sisters are. And again, as I say, I'm not saying that it's confined to this, but it has to start here. It has to include this, surely. And you know what? It's a great place to practice. Great place to practice just loving people. Those neighbours who are sitting right next to you, who are part of the same Family who are part of the same body, who are different to you as well. See, everything changes, I think, when we get that picture. Yes, Christ is the head. 
He is the head and the church is the body. And the head is perfect, but right now, you know what? The body needs a bit of work. This means he hurts when the church is hurting. He suffers when the church is suffering. And he wants us to love the church like he loves the church. And that is not because the church is perfect yet. The church is very imperfect. The church that I lead will always be imperfect. That's why I keep wanting to say, I'm not the head. Jesus, you be the head. You be in charge. And you see, if Jesus waited for the church to be perfect, he would never have loved you and me. But Paul wrote to the Ephesians and he said, it's like this, another picture they use. It's like a man who, who loves his own body so he cares for it and he feeds it. And do you know what? I think he specifically talks about men there because some of the men are like, yeah, you know, I love my body and I care for it and I feed it pizza and I kind of, you know. <laughs> and, then, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, 17 says, if the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? And I carry on. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. Where he wants it. If I'm insisting on it going where I want it, it might not be where he wants it. Who's the head? How strange your body would be if it only had one part. Yet there are many parts, only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Or look at Romans 12. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. Say one body. And say the next line out loud. We all belong to each other. See, in his grace, God has given us different gifts, it says, for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out. We need the prophets to speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. We need you to teach. Start teaching. Get teaching somewhere. Start, start teaching somebody. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Write the cards, send the text. Do, encourage. If it's giving, give generously. Some people have got this ability to be able to give way above and beyond. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Do something about it. Grow that gift. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I love that. Do it gladly. See, what this says to every Christian is that we're all important because we're part of something very important. We're in part, important because we are part of something way bigger than ourselves. And actually, that picture of where you go to get significance and satisfaction goes completely against the grain of the individuality that success and significance is found in our Western culture. That self-centred, imitation version of Christianity that we have made up to suit ourselves. See, God says, yes, you are important because of what you're a part of. 
Yes, my fingerprint is beautiful. It really is. Oh, look at that whirl. Look at that swirl. Look at that beautiful loop. Ex-policeman. I know the difference. You know? But, and it's unique. It's even more unique in your DNA. Because twins don't have the same fingerprints, do they? So it's absolutely amazing. But don't narcissistically fall in love with your fingerprint. Ooh, look at it. Beautiful. It only works because of the blood that's pumping underneath it. It only works because of the, the sweat pores and the, and the pressure, the, you know, the pain receptors and because and of the heart that's pumping it all and because of everything working. And, you know, you hurt that finger, youch, everything hurts. The head feels it, doesn't it? Amputate that finger, it will have no life of its own. It soon won't look very nice. Everything is linked. And God says there, we all belong to each other. It's really important to consider that when we're making decisions. We're here to help each other and to serve one another, bear one another's burdens. That's how the body works, together. And this shows us two things you can never say from the day that you give your life to Jesus Christ. Number one, the first thing you can never say is, you do not need me. And go into isolation. Everybody in the body of Christ needs everybody else to play their part to get what he wants done in the world through the church. And the other thing, the second thing you can ever say is, I don't need you, which is independence. Yes, you and I are individuals and beautifully, wonderfully made, but great things really happen when we're not independent, but we remember everybody's better together and no individual can make that picture that the world sees Jesus coming by themselves. Nobody can be the body on their own. And this is so beautifully seen in, in Nehemiah. I'm not going to read through the whole lot. It's a long chapter. But again, look at chapter three again this week. Look at it in your grow groups together. And I keep revisiting the chapters now on faith lifts on Friday. So if you want to, wonder you want to do with your grow groups. Some have started looking back at the, the faith lifts on Friday because I'm trying to apply them more in terms of personal lives, not just kind of organisational life and everything else. But I just wanted to pull out a few lessons that grab me and then we're going to pray. Here's the first one. Rebuilding needs everybody. Please say that with me. Rebuilding needs everybody. Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building it as far as the tower of the hundred which they dedicated and as far as the tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section. Zachor son of Imri built next to them. And when you read through the chapter and see who the people were who worked on the project, the short answer is just about everyone. Just about everybody in the city. This massive reconstruction project that everybody said would never happen happened in 52 days. How? Because individual people or families formed into 42 groups, work parties, stepped up to a place on the wall and rebuilt there. And they worked at it together. And this just shows this very important principle in the Bible that the church has very often forgotten about called the priesthood of all believers. That means the ministry and the mission of the church belongs to everybody. And until it does, the church will never function biblically. 
Wherever it has functioned like that, the church has flourished and spread like wildfire and made a massive difference. When you see the ministry start to happen again, like it's described in Ephesians chapter 4, when you get the apostolic, prophetic, evangelist, shepherd, teacher stuff working to equip the saints for the work of ministry, not to do the ministry, that's when it says we all mature into the fullness of Christ. It's like, it's the only way the world's going to see the body of Christ moving with Jesus at the head is when we have the priesthood of all believers. And I think this COVID thing could just have been in the Western world the pattern interrupt to say, you know that old way of doing church that wasn't working where there was one guy like me up the front and a few other people all watching, that needs to die And we're in the season where it needs to die so that the real body of Christ can be raised up and be resurrected and move in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you agree with me, at least somebody say amen. Because it really is not good enough. What used to happen, you might have liked it. I've got to tell you, I don't think God did. Because it wasn't working. It was The systems that we used to run were perfectly designed to give us the results that we were getting which was that the church was becoming increasingly irrelevant and ostracised and powerless and useless and the world was going off and doing its own thing thinking, what is the church anyway? What good is it? See, verse 16 of chapter 4 of Ephesians says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. But you know, instead of that, what we've done, we've invented or we've inherited a sub-biblical, substandard version of the church where vital parts are amputated. Or bound up. Can you move the next one on, please? Where only the official ordained people, the pastor or the people who get paid, they do the work. Of, of do, they do the leading, they do the healing, they do the serving the needy. Other people get to watch, just come and watch. And, 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 we call, and the more people come and watch, the more we call it a success. Everywhere church tries to continue that powerless, lame, immature, imitation version of the church is in danger of being cut off from the head. Where one part is elevated at the expense of all the others. The world sees that and thinks, why should I be a part of that? See, that's why in our rebuilding, we have changed some stuff around here. And we've been intentional about some of it. We haven't just been changed by COVID. We transformed, we believe, in listening to the Holy Spirit for how the church is meant to be. And we've made some decisions about we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to do this now. We're going to do it differently. Discipleship matters more than anything else. We want to equip disciples to make disciples. And, you know, we're going to be unfolding these more and more. But basically, everything we want to say is, listen, the ministry and and the mission belongs to you. It's your inheritance. It's my inheritance. It's all together we get to do this stuff. You know, I'd hate you to get to heaven. And find out there was all this list of stuff that you were meant to do. And I did it because I got paid. And you'd be like, how come I missed out on that adventure? How come I got missed out on that amazing thing that God wanted me to do? Because you were doing it. I don't want that to happen. I want to do the stuff God wants for me. And I want you to have the thrill of doing everything that God has laid up in advance for you to do as well. So we have reshaped the church to be all about equipping anybody and everybody who will pick up a trowel and say... 
I want to rebuild here at Ivy. We don't just want to work for you. We want to work with you. Very different. Because the body here needs everybody. And you don't need permission. You don't need to wait. Step up. You know, we've got these forms we've got lying around for people to be able to, to, to say, oh, I could help with this, I could help with that. That's great, it's great. But they're not to limit you, they just give the idea. But if you've got an area, if you've got something you think we should be doing this, we could be doing that, come and talk to us. We're not here to hold it back. We're here to, we want to release it. Yes, it says the priest began the work with the Levites. But, and I and the team here, I hope we're always first to step up and serve. That's the kind of staff and eldership that we want to be here. And it's absolutely brilliant. In a few minutes, we're going to watch a video of somebody else who's stepping up, who's offering to be an elder here. And it's, it's amazing. We have some great people. But I don't want to just tell other people what to do. I know what you should do. I know what you should do for Jesus. Serve. He said, that's how you become great. Pick up a towel. Find a place to serve. See, notice, Nehemiah put the priests at the sheep gate. Why was that? That's because that's where the sacrifices would be brought through. For what? For the worship in the temple. These people have got a real heart for worship. And he says, brilliant. Listen, I love worship too. Nobody's going to feel safe enough to worship when there are no walls and gates here. We won't have any sheep for you to be able to do the sacrifice stuff in there because they keep getting taken by rustlers. So, great that you want to worship. Brilliant. Right now, build the wall. Pick up a trowel. That's the task. Do it now. You're all about worship. Brilliant. Here's a trowel. Grab that bit of wall in front of you and rebuilding needs everybody. That's number one. Number two, everybody needs to do something. And I'll qualify that with, even if it's not your thing. As you read on various lists of leaders and nobles, rulers get named because they lead by serving. But it says there's a, the nobles of Tekoa refused. Why? They thought it was beneath them. They're like, sorry, I'm a leader. I'm here to lead. And they forgot that leading is serving. The Jesus way, the God way. And it says God made a note of that too because there were workers and there were shirkers. And, and then he names two brilliant examples of two men who each ruled over large portions of the city. Yes, they were important leaders, but they rolled up their sleeves and they worked really hard on the walls. One of them, it says, even repaired the dung gate. Talk about the dirty job. Nothing is beneath us if we're serving the Lord. Colossians 3, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord you are serving. Other names get mentioned. None of them were builders, as Louise said this morning, including Nehemiah. What made them builders? They built. That's what you do. If you're going to be a builder, build. If you're going to be a teacher, teach if you're going to be a servant serve if you're going to be a worship leader worship do you need to be here to do that no if you're going to, whatever it is we have opportunity to be able to use our gifts for the Lord if you're going to be a prayer pray and all of them started from scratch digging a foundation because it needed to be dug repairing a breach 
There were men and women, merchants and mares, servants and goldsmiths, pharmacists, perfume makers. All of them became builders because it's great that you want to make your perfume. It's wonderful that you've got artistic skills and gifts that you want to bring, but nobody's going to want to buy your perfume while everything stinks of fire around here and while the gates have been burned down. Nobody's got any money to do that anyway. So let's do this so then we get to enjoy that. We've got to do this so then you get to do that. We've got to do this together now so that we get to do that together tomorrow. All these people volunteered. Nobody's conscripted. Nobody's doing it for the money. Some whole families were involved working close to where they lived, it says. Because you know what? If it's next to my house, I'll probably put in a bit more mortar than you. And there there was one single man who worked on the section of the wall opposite where he lived. Rebuilding needs everybody. And everybody needs to do something. Whether or not it's your thing right now, the question is, is is it God's thing? He's the head. Number three, before we're done. And I think this is actually the most important of all. We can all do our part, but not a part. See, each one of them took responsibility for the place that God had assigned them. They said, we'll do this bit. You can rely on us, Nehemiah. We'll do this section here. Whether it was digging or building or sawing wood or making dinner or keeping watch or washing up, everybody did their part, but not a part. Because the phrase that you read over and over again here, we heard about it this morning, is this, next to him, next to her, next to him, next to her, next to him. Verse 8, Uzziel, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to him. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. It says, everybody works on their assigned task and responsibility. And they did it collectively. And then some people, you see, when they'd finished their bit, do you, you read what they did? They did somebody else's bit too. Like in verse 13, the valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zenoah. They also repaired 500 yards of the wall as far as the dung gate. They stopped at the dung gate. (laughs) But 500 yards is a long way. That's a lot of wall. And they've already done theirs. I'm so grateful that we have people like that in this church. We have a lot of people in in this church who do that. They don't just do their bit. I'll be honest, some of them do your bit as well. Some of them do my bit as well. There's some people who you kind of figure out, they haven't got that they're only supposed to do their bit. You know? You can't just make them do their bit. You find that they've gone and done somebody else's bit as well. Because you know what? They get it. They see the big vision. They're like, we're not just here to do a wall. We're here to rebuild a city. So I'm not just going to think because I've stopped. Now it's Netflix time. They're like... I can help with that. I can do that. See, I, when it says they, it says they also repaired. I underlined the word also in my Bible. I highlighted it because we've got a lot of also people here in this church. And I don't even know what everybody does, but I know there's a lot of them. And, and we need that too. They, they did what they were asked and then they did an extra mile. And, I, I'm, and we have many people I could point out, but I can see one here. Anyway, he's, got a, he's at the back there. And I'm going to embarrass Sandy because he's here again after serving here this morning. He works in the NHS. He's also, been, he's also setting up a group for people in their 20s and 30s. And he's part of the youth team. And, uh, and he's going to wash my car tomorrow. 
Okay, that last part isn't actually true, but he's, he's repairing multiple sections of the wall. And Michelle Buckner, we're going to watch the video in a moment, who served at Ivy in so many ways for over many years, recently helped us to get the Ladybridge thing up and running, became the public face, the beautiful face of Ivy Church to all of that community. She's stepping up to say, I will serve as an elder if you'll have me. It's a massive responsibility that we pray a long time about before we invite anybody to even consider. And all the way through it, we're saying to somebody, maybe you weigh it and we weigh it and it might not happen, it might not be right. And some people are like halfway through say, I don't think it's me. And sometimes we say, you know, we don't think it's you either or whatever. And we don't fall out. We just want to know only God's appointments for those kind of roles. But Hanan... As I say, and his team here, they, they stepped up and they went not just to do their bit, they, they stepped up. And wouldn't, wouldn't you want to be next to somebody like that? And would people next to you think you're somebody like that? Next to him and, and his daughters, it says, they worked together, not apart. See, when you're a child, you're dependent. And that's all right. It's the way we are. What our society says is that you mature when you become independent. That's not true. Independence is not maturity. True maturity is interdependence. I can rely on you. You can rely on me. We do it together. A healthy body. Because each part does its part. And then some. I know there's so much more going on in terms of God's purposes in the world than just this church and there's so much more that he's doing in the church that isn't just about this church too but I also know there are some gates that need to be set in place around here that have been burned with fire and there's a section of the wall of what God wants to rebuild during this time that is meant to have ivy growing all over it And I believe God is inviting you and me to step up and say, put my name down. I can't speak for you. I pray God will speak to you. So let's pray. Maybe today you need to respond in one of the ways to say, okay, I'll serve in this next season as we rebuild the wall. Don't stand there pointing out the gaps. We can see the gaps. Step up. Yeah, thanks. Band are going to come up. Lord, thank you that as these people work together, this one there, this one here, and next to him and next to her, Nehemiah knew that right in the middle of it, you were there. You were there in the struggles and the setbacks, in the long nights and days until the work was done. That's why I invite you, Holy Spirit, please come now and speak to us all and Whoever you are, wherever you are now in the process of following Jesus, however long you say you've been doing that or you're just kind of investigating right now, you need to know God loves you. Not not because he wants to do stuff through you. He just loves you anyway, but he wants to stir up the gifts and the passions that he's put inside of you. He wants you to know the thrill of being used by him for things that last forever. And he's with us and he'll never leave us or forsake us. And he knows your name and he wants to empower you and to equip you. And he has a place.
for you to contribute. And this year he's saying, if you'll listen to me, do not reject his voice, the Bible says. He's reinforcing his calling, I think, at the beginning of this year for many of us. Nothing can stop it and nothing can stop him. Don't let anything or anybody talk you out of it this time. quite nice actually (laughs) Lord you are the head why don't you stand up please if you're able just position yourself as part of the body and recognise he is the head all things are possible Lord when we step up and when we, we work together as your body you don't have to kind of touch the person next to you if you don't want to but just stretch out towards them a little bit just as a sign of that we put ourselves together and people watching online stand up and stretch out if you can as we position ourselves Lord in this next season to be used by you we say we belong to you Lord because we were bought with the most precious substance in the whole universe your blood and Lord you say we belong to each other too So, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, please would you equip your people, your children, your church, to do what you've called us to do. Everybody watching now online, joining the prayer team. Those of you who are followers of Christ, you realise you were created for more. Let me talk directly towards you. Anybody who's say, yeah, I'm I'm in the church, but right now you're not serving in any area. You're part of his family, you're part of his body and you're loved. But if you're not using the gifts that he's given you and expressing that internal God-given passion, I just need to say, seek him because there's something God wants you to do for his glory and to make a difference in the lives of others. And you'll never be satisfied until you're doing it. And for most of us as Christians, it's going to involve in some way something to do with the church. And, and there's something that's not being done the way God wants it to be done around here because you're not fully in the game. Others of you, you're already doing something. Maybe you're finding fulfillment in, and maybe in the, you're in the middle of a struggle you don't even recognise. But actually, you, you know as I'm talking, God is saying, he's been saying these last few weeks through Nehemiah, God wants you to do something more. I was thinking this week, about a guy in my previous church who I went to other states and I came back and he picked me up from the airport and, and, um, and he just loved the church and he, he just picked me up from the airport because he wanted to hear about what I'd been to and I said to him, do you know what, while I was away I was, I was thinking and somebody said that there might be people even in the church who, who want to give like a day of, the, day of the week to serve the church and I thought, I thought, Jay, maybe you might want to do that and literally this guy who earned more money in expenses than I made pulled over the side of the road in tears and he said I'd give anything to do that and within a week he'd gone to his boss and he'd and he ended up just saying I I want to do a day day less a week I just want to serve and he ended up running the whole of the the ministry to do with house groups and everything in the church he did it brilliantly for a long time And and that was like a part of his journey which ended up with him leaving that work and going full time I'm not saying that's the only thing but that's where it looked for him but it starts with a step 
of not just filling up our calendars again this year with all the old stuff or even new stuff without asking God, what's the stuff you want me to do? Because you're the head and I'm a part of the body and I want to be used by you. So if you're a follower of Christ and you want more, you want to see God more at work in you and through you, you could use the, the stuff you've been through, the things you've learned the hard way so that nobody else has to learn that same lesson the hard way. You could, you could lose, use the, 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 the diamonds you dug out, the gold that's come, as you've had to dig really deep into it to be able to help somebody else. And you'll find your healing comes in doing that. Just pray, God, I'm here and I'm willing. Stir up the gifts that you've put within me so that I get to make the difference that you have designed for me to do in the lives of other people in this world. Would you lift up your hands right now if you're praying that with me, just so I know. That's lots of hands. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift them up. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing people putting up their hands and next to him and next to her and next to him and next to her. People are saying, I'm in. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for so many amazing people and people who are watching online now who are raising their hands to you and saying, Lord, use us and take us and do what you want for your glory. Lord, help us to do what, we want, what you want us to do individually but interdependently. Stir us up and show us where you want us to serve you by serving others. And if it's in this church, let us be fully in. Not just in the building and the ministries here, but through this out there. The opportunities of this year, Festival Manchester, so many things in this year you're doing this year. The, the Diamond Jubilee, so many opportunities to, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm in, Lord. I'm in with the brothers and sisters. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all these things for your glory and we worship you now in your mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.